a lot of pressure, a lot of talk. So now we are in the final Three, two, one, here we go. From the Play Normal Esports Studio, this is Pod BN talking to people doing big things in Bloomington Normal. This is Tyson. My name is Justin. Today we are talking to RC McBride and Jamie Matthew. We're going to talk about uptown versus downtown and see what the perspectives of uh, Normal and Bloomington uh, council members are on uh, those, um, those parts of town. But first, Justin. Just want to thank our sponsor, Play Normal Esports, located at 802 South El Dorado Road. This place has gaming machines of Xboxes, PCs, PlayStations, Nintendo Switches, games like Minecraft, Mortal Kombat, Fortnite, League of Legends. This is a place you can drop your kids off. They can play some games. You can have parties. Um, it's inside Normal Gadgets, where you can also get your cell phone fixed, your laptop fixed. So check them out, 802 South El Dorado Road in Bloomington, uh, PlayNormalEsports.com. I've unfortunately had my phone fixed here more times than I'm happy about. I guess, uh, un- unfortunately, <laughs> in that your phone was broken. But yeah. Not in yeah. The no. Yeah. They do. They do a great job. It's just yeah. the number of times that this that screen's been destroyed, either between me and, uh, and Kelly. You, th- wish, you wish you were not such a loyal customer. Yes. That, that's that's yeah. yeah. I think I've talked to Terry, and he, he really just wanted to put the esports part in here, so his cl- his customers would be happy to come in instead of always just so mad they have to come in and get their stuff fixed. But it's not yeah. About right. Yeah. So first, just uh, introduce you guys uh, to make sure that. Um, well, I just ask you to introduce yourself, and, sure. Uh, so people can, people who don't aren't familiar. Well, you're, from, you know where little, you're from little village, so you go first. I was going to say, but but actual office holders should go first. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all, right, all right, that's fair. Uh, so uh, Jamie Matthew, I am uh, City of Bloomington um, Alderman for Ward One. Ward One is the south central part of Bloomington. Um, kind of goes from right in the center of Bloomington and goes down and includes South Hill uh, neighborhood and all of South Veterans Parkway swinging around the Westminster Village. So it's a lot of the older parts of Bloomington. And then uh, I also own uh, Red Raccoon Games and um, the Decorators Grocery, both of those with my wife. My name is R.C. McBride, and uh, I really appreciate you both having me here, you know, since all the actual active members of the Normal Council were, you know, too busy, you know, (laughs) being active. So uh, I'm a former member of the Normal Town Council. My full-time job is uh, at Illinois State University, where I'm the general manager of WGLT, and then also as of this past summer, um, WGLT manages WCBU for Bradley University in Peoria. So uh, I guess that makes me the GM of both. I also teach in the School of Communication, do some sports casting on the side, and uh, my wife and three daughters live in Normal. And RC, you were on Normal Town Council for <coughs> four years, right? That is correct. Okay. So uh, during, and that was during the time when a lot of that work in Uptown was done. I, I mean, it goes back. It, it's funny sometimes when you see something, you forget how long it took to go there. But, I mean, really the work um, started in the late 90s, really got going in the early 2000s. But, but, yeah, there were certainly some milestones. Okay. 
So we wanted to have, uh, I think it was Tyson that thought we could have Jamie on to talk about downtown Bloomington. And I said, what would be really cool is if we got someone from each community to come and kind of talk about the uptown, downtown, difference between the two, why some of them might have challenges that the other one may not. Um, I think any kind of information we could get out of that would be healthy. So specific to downtown and uptown, I'll start with you, Jamie. What are some things that you've noticed while your time on council that downtown has moved forward with? And what are some things coming down the pike that we can be interested in? Well, you don't start off with the little ones, do you? No, we only got an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, okay, so I've been on council now for about two and a half years this time around. Um, I was on council um, in 2013 for a while, filling in when Bernie Anderson got sick. Um, So I've seen quite a bit. I was also the president of the Downtown Bloomington Association for a couple of years. Um, I think some of the biggest changes that we've seen in downtown is... Um, the number of residents that live downtown. When we, you know, Kelly and I, when we first opened Kelly's Bakery and Cafe in 2005, downtown Bloomington um, had about 180 people that lived in downtown. There's a, most people don't realize there's a ton of really cool loft style apartments above most of the businesses in downtown, and it was about 180 people. The last number that I heard is that there's closer to 1,000 people that live downtown right now. Um, A lot of the buildings used to have um, some pretty serious issues with um, roof leaks, and those have been fixed. Um, The the city has for years had a facade grant that could, it's the, uh, uh, God, I'm dropping the name of it right now. Um, but it's the uh, you can use it the facade grant as, as matching dollars from the city to either actually repair the facade of the building or you could use it to fix roofs. And as we got the uh, the roofs fixed of all the buildings, we started seeing the the building owners going in and fixing and creating these amazing living spaces um, up above a lot of the buildings. So um, the community of people that lives down there just continues to grow, and I and I think that's one of the things a lot of people. Don't don't realize. Um, in terms of things that have happened just recently, we are currently working on repaving all the streets in downtown. Um, and that's a huge thing. It's needed to be done for a long time. We partnered with NICOR and NICOR came through downtown and tore the bejesus out of everything. Um, but they needed to replace the low pressure gas mains in downtown with high pressure gas mains. It created a big mess, but we had timed it out perfectly so that NICOR would be done with all their work and then we could go through and repave the streets. And if we can finish, if we hit schedule for this year, for 2020, um, Center Street and Mulberry Street should be finished this year, and that will mean that every street inside of the, the buckle that is downtown has been repaved in the last few years. Um, so that's a huge improvement. Um, let's see what else. Uh, some other stuff that's coming up is um, we're having discussions right now on possibly changing how parking and streets work inside of downtown. Uh, so those conversations will be coming up amongst all the building owners and the business owners in downtown. And then we're, um, we're starting some work on a new master streetscaping plan um, to um, kind of change the feel of some of the stuff in the downtown area as well. Justin, you and I were on the downtown task force in um, was it 2017, I think it was. 
And um, so that one of the things that we had put forward in the downtown task force is that we wanted to turn over design of all plantings in the downtown area over to um, Parks and Rec. Um, we love our public works guys, but public works guys have a lot of engineers in there, and engineers tend to build things that are very sturdy and very square. And so um, we have paid horticultural designers uh, at Parks and Recs that help make amazing landscaping decisions for parks all over downtown. They've also contracted and done some stuff with the county around the Law and Justice Center, as well as um, uh, some stuff that they did right around City Hall. And we're, uh, we're going to let those guys take a stab at designing some new stuff in downtown. And it's uh, hopefully going to make some beautification projects look really good. RC, what are some things that while maybe while serving on your time on council, or I believe you were on planning commission prior to that, is that right? Yeah. Um, during that time as well, you can you can talk about that too. But what are some things that normals went through? They've had some change. Yeah, um, planning commission for nine years before council, which again is one of those things as you get a little older, those things become a smaller percentage of your life. Therefore, they seem to go much quicker. <laughs> so it's 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 harder. It's hard to believe sometimes. Uh, you know, I try to take the long view, and I think it's important to take the long view. And I have the luxury of being on campus, um, and we hear all the time these folks who are Illinois State alums, and then they come back, and it's the first time they're visiting Bloomington Normal in in two, three, four decades. And just the looks on their faces and, and, and just how remarkably transformative it has been and uh, and the fact that that is still hopefully just in progress. So uh, it, it is a totally different environment than when it was back when I was an Illinois State student in the mid-90s and I think that that is, uh, that is something to be exceptionally proud of and Normal has a city center now and it never really did. So you mentioned ISU, and I think Normal and Uptown Normal specifically does a good job of you know, bringing ISU to Uptown. Um, I have always thought that that's something downtown could leverage more is having Westland so close. Uh, Jamie, what do you think about what, seeing what Normal's done with ISU and that relationship? What could Bloomington do better with connections through Westland? Well, I think that there's already a lot of stuff that we do. I mean, it, could it be better? Yes, of course, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the differences is it, um, ISU is literally across the street from Uptown Normal. Wesleyan's about four or five blocks, depending on where you are on campus, so it's a little bit more um, disconnected. But um, the city has done a lot of stuff and a lot of partnerships with Wesleyan, specifically with the teachers of incoming freshmen to get them oriented into the, the downtown area. There's been many things I've been participating in over the years, such as scavenger hunts and stuff throughout to uh, throughout downtown to get them oriented there better. We've been um, in conversations with them in just the last few months on uh, some more detailed things of what could we do bigger and better. You know, we own a property at the old uh, Mennonite Hospital location with them that we're trying to find a developer for to build the right kind of property um, that, that works best for both 
Wesleyan and for the city of Bloomington. And, um, you know, we're working on some different stuff. There's a proposal to do what is effectively more of an extension of the Constitution Trail that swings in near the downtown and, and connects to Wesleyan coming down East Street past the BCPA and the Creativity Center and leads people into the downtown area as well to make it a little easier for people on bicycles or just walking to do that. Um, you know, we, we haven't identified exactly when that's going to happen yet. I mean, there's um, property owner considerations for putting a trail extension in there and things of that nature. But I think everybody seems to be on board and it's a good idea and we would like to do more. Um, I, I just don't have a firm date yet when that might happen. But, um, yeah, we, I, we completely agree. Um, you know, there's... Uh, I guess another small difference is maybe the attendance between the two colleges. Well, I, I, w- I was actually going to say that I, yeah. you know, in my if if I may, in you know, I've heard that a number of times over the years. Is why can't Bloomington do what Normal's done? And I and I, that's not really fair um, for some of the reasons that you you discussed. I mean, yes, proximity. Illinois State University is right there. Um, Illinois Wesleyan is a few blocks away from downtown. Um, downtown Bloomington is far larger than Uptown Normal. Yeah, 28 but, blocks versus 8, 10, depending on how probably, you measure it. Yeah, depending on, I'd Depends say if they get their underpass. Um, well, and that, and that is part of, you know, and, we'll, that, we'll that, will, and that will make it um, larger. And I'm, I'm going to say will and be optimistic that go. that's going to happen. But... But yeah, the the enrollment is substantially different. I think sometimes you so don't realize that it wasn't it's about eighteen hundred on a good year, and, and, and ISU's at twenty two, and talking about growing, right? I mean, well, and, and that's and then with that, obviously, larger support staff. So yeah, you have twenty three thousand people when you consider staff and on campus students. That's just a ballpark compared to twenty five hundred. Now twenty five hundred is a good lot of people, but yeah. you can't. It's unfair to compare those two, I think. And That's unfair, but I think it's I think it's I agree with you. I think it's still a good idea to look at what's working with the connections sure. between ISU and Normal and, and seeing if we can take anything from that. And I loved your suggestion of, of what's being talked about by connecting the trail. I think that would be a tremendous uh, yeah, we, improvement. I mean, there's been conversations about how do you bring the trail into downtown a lot. Yeah. I mean, but but the, a, a big part of the fight with the trail, because um, I think we all love the Constitution Trail. Was it like 31 miles of trail that runs in and around the Bloomington Normal area? Um, maybe that's the wrong number. That seems really high now that I said it out loud. But um, a lot of trail. It was a lot of trail. And we would love get to, my Googler. Yeah, we would love to have that in come right into downtown, but we... We run into some issues in the downtown with the fact that 51 is a state route, and the Department of Transportation is not always the easiest group to work with. I think that um, RC would. Agree you don't with me say. On that. <laughs> so, so they're they're resistant to a lot of our ideas of hey, we would like to make this crossing and bring the trail right into downtown, and we would like to look at some different ways of signage and. And they just kind of shake their head and say, not really so interested in having this conversation. Yeah, 45 miles. You were short. I was short. Really? I didn't know it was that many. Maybe that was just, maybe you were thinking just the Bloomington. Those are the parts Jamie's not on his office. Those are the 10 miles. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hills. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm on the bike, and I'm like, that section over there is too hilly. Closing closing in on two marathons. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, they... 
The streets bring up an interesting point of what barriers exist on either side of the uptown and downtown. So that that state route really does just carve out the extent of where downtown can be. Yeah. And them being state routes. And it's and it's know. enormous too, right? There why why is it four lanes of traffic wide around the downtown? Yeah. There is nowhere else in Bloomington, including Veterans Parkway, where anything is four lanes wide. Mm-hmm. And it's and this massive stretch of cement and concrete and, and also asphalt. all the lights timed so that if you go 35, you can fly through all of them without yeah. slowing down at all. Yeah. Exactly. So and I, I know that, that was a good thing. <laughs> well, I know you guys have it's talked about strong the stores stuff. downtown, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You guys have talked about Strongtown stuff before, and and Bloomington and the downtown area is very much designed for high-speed vehicular traffic, and everything else was a whatever, get in your car and drive that way. And you ask why that's the case, and I mean, I can probably surmise the answer, and that's because of decisions that were made 50 and 60 years ago, and that's something that I... You know, you and I, JB, have talked about is, you know, one of the most important things that people have to remain keep in mind and that we lose track of is decisions that are being made now, whether it's in Normal or in Bloomington or at the county, at the state, the federal level, these impact people for generations. And in many cases, the results aren't seen for a generation or two. And a lot of times the unintended or intended consequences take yeah. a lot long time to play out. Yeah. RC and I get along. Um, um, you know, the, the, it's actually there's always this conversation in normal versus That's because we're lovable. Well, <laughs> this, just yeah. You know, fun fact. Like, cut, cuddle, cuddle size. Cuddle. Uh, well, we have people are always talking about normal versus Bloomington, and the reality is, is normal and Bloomington work really, really well together, like ninety nine percent of the time. The one percent of the time, yes. uh, sometimes we have some disagreements, and, gets, but, and that's what gets all the attention because. People are naturally drawn to conflict. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So to go back to those those uh, roads, though, the I mean, so I I mean, you said there's like a downside to having those roads there. The upside is the state takes care of them, right? So they don't have to come out of our budget. That's what you say. Take care of them. They do for for, for varying degrees of taking care of them, right? I mean, so I just I do I do wonder on that if um, I mean, like in your view, I guess, and I also want to talk about the some of the train track rules and maybe the, the stuff that's hitting normal mm-hmm. with you as RC. But, like, from your perspective, Jamie, if if we had the ability to take control of that road and have that be a city road so that we could maintain it and sculpt it as we wanted, would that be, like, a net positive in your opinion? I, I would want to see some real numbers. I, I feel like I want to say yes, but I always try to base all my decisions based on the most educated and intelligent information that I can get my hands on. And um, having the massive size of that road, I mean, I know I've talked to Mayor Coos and Normal. We, you know, Decatur actually did that. Decatur. Oh, Decatur. Okay. Yeah, 51, if you look at it, officially gets on the interstate and goes around Decatur because Decatur took over and assumed all control of 51 through Decatur. Um, and usually what the state does is they will give you a, we're going to come in and we're going to fix it one time, and then after that we're never coming back. It's your problem from then on. So depending on numbers, yeah, I think it would um, it would help um, to for for Bloomington and Normal to take control of 51. 
but I would want to actually know what the real long-term numbers numbers are because, like RC just said, um, you know, what is the impact of that decision 25, 30, 50 years down the road? Yeah. Even if the state came in right now and they completely rebuilt from the foundation up, um, that, that road gets so much traffic as a, an arterial for the community that it's only going to last 15 years before it's got to be rebuilt again. Well, and you look at... You know, control, you can't put a price tag on control. And, and, I, and I had been an advocate, and I guess remain one, for Bloomington and Normal taking over 51 through town. Um, because at least then we can make some decisions locally. And, and you look at, and we could go on and on about the, the state of repair or disrepair. Uh, you know, take a look at uh, the, the island outside of, you know, outside of Hancock Stadium or, or UHI and, and look at the condition that thing is in. And mm -hmm. that is your prime entryway to Bloomington Normal as one community from the north and the south. And North and south and, and coming from the west on Market Street, right? right? As Route, route 9. nine. And Those we're not are really, all in bad shape. And we're not really putting our best foot forward as a community. Yeah, yeah. So, I would want to see the numbers, but I, I feel like it, it could be good long term, you know, yeah. and so, uh, so then in Uptown, you, uh, college isn't state road, right? No. Correct. Okay. So, um, but you do have that busy road coming to the north of Uptown, and then you've got the train tracks going in there too. I know the underpass is a big deal. Is there any other things that kind of like constrain Normal's ability to kind of... <laughs> I mean, it, it, railroads are a challenge, and, and Jamie knows that too. I mean, yeah. it, it, the, the levels... Quiet rules uh, that are involved. Yeah, and you know, you talk about victories that you know Normal was able to establish the quiet zone uh, during my time on council. And I tell you, I lived in Waterson, like on the train track side of Waterson for a semester. When the train went by, I just I literally couldn't do anything. I couldn't watch TV. Mm -hmm. Like it was so loud. So I was very happy to see that change. Yeah, and you get the sense some of those cats were coming in at three in the morning just in a bad. They've had a bad day at work or something, so they were going to lay on that horn as long as they could. And you know, we don't really have that anymore. But yeah, the lay. I mean, the levels at the state and the federal levels. You know, the Federal Railroad Administration, which is something that most people probably haven't even heard of, and then the fact that those are privately owned, um, which is something that goes back, you know, the roots of that go back 160 years. Yeah, uh, so, so those can be a, a constraint. Um, I also, too, just, you know, kind of getting back to the state control of the roads is, I, I always thought at times it was a little unfair when people would decry the state of the roads in Bloomington and say they were better in normal because, again, the number of miles Bloomington has versus normal and the number of miles that are state-controlled because you've got Route 50, 150 rather, and Route 9 in addition to Route 51. So, um, And they're all three the busiest roads and yep. the worst maintained roads. Yep. And, uh, you know, that, that really does make it harder to do your forward planning, I would think, when you're doing a five, ten year plan for your roads. And you layer onto that, which is something that people forget. There, there are maps, you could Google them. There is a strip that runs through the center of the eastern half of the country that runs basically from southern New York through Pennsylvania into the southern half of Iowa, uh, Idaho, or I, wrong, Ohio, uh, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, out into the plains that are the worst 
parts of the country for the freeze-thaw cycle. I mean, how many freeze-thaws have we had this week? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably a dozen. And in the the one last year where we went from negative 20 to 54 degrees and then back down to like negative 10 in three days, like you couldn't come up with a better formula to destroy concrete and asphalt if you were trying to. Yeah, and so people sometimes forget that. Now it's not, but, you know, I hear people, well, I was driving in Florida, the roads are beautiful. Well, no freeze. It doesn't freeze. Or conversely, Wisconsin. Wisconsin does have nicer interstates than we do. For instance, it freezes in November and thaws in March. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's a. I guess I say uh, that it, there's a lot more involved than what maybe people yeah. realize. And the railroads are that the railroads are a great example too, because, you know, you guys in uh, you guys normal has the uh, uh, the main line that runs from St. Louis to, to Chicago. But we've got that same line goes through Bloomington. We got a quiet zone put on that line as well. We were very happy about that. But then we've got an east-west route, two east-west routes. And those ones weren't upgraded as part of the high-speed rail corridor. So we can't get quiet zones put on them. It's a conversation I've been having with some residents who live in kind of the, the tracks cut through Olive Street and right south of downtown by um, the Public Works Garage and then go down through Ward 1 and we can't get a quiet zone in there and so they're coming through at 3 in the morning and they're blowing their horns and if you live in a house right there it is a very, very loud experience. And, um, you know, the railroad has no intention of spending the kind of money it would take to upgrade every crossing. There's 17 crossings from where it comes in on the west side till it goes out the east side. They'd have to upgrade or close every crossing um, through town in order to for us to make that a quiet zone. If we paid for that bill for upgrading 17 crossings, they would be happy to do that. But no one else would. Uh, yeah, happy. nobody else would be happy we spent the money to upgrade 17 because railroad crossings. Because it would be crosses. a substantial amount of money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, $75,000 a crossing is, is, was the loan bald number I got. So There's no bulk discount there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, and I would just venture to guess from our experience and my experience that I had in normal that I'd be very surprised if it came in at 75 per crossing, even if that's what the, uh, I thought the early estimate is. I thought it sounded low. And that's without any problems with utilities going in, you know, and any other easements or. Did we uh, did we turn this into the complaint about the state and federal government yeah, podcast? A little bit, yeah. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to go back I to that was the, it. Says right here that's the title. I thought we were staying on theme. Get that out of the way. I wanted to go back to uh, specifically uptown and downtown. And Jamie, you mentioned that we were on the task force together, and I remember during that uh, task force, some of our conversations uh, you brought up, and I know you're still an advocate for this is making the parking garages free yep. and charging for on-street parking. Yep. Um, and I, I remember my when you brought it up in a meeting, a task force meeting, I said, I think that's a great idea. I just don't think it's a great idea right now. I think that would be a hard pill for everybody to swallow right now. So I'm going to pivot over to RC because if I remember right, Normal tried a little bit of this, right? Well, and I can, you know, and I've got, I have nothing to lose. Yeah. You know, I'm a, a, yeah. a former um, member of the council. You know, I think there is a lot to the logic of your your premier best parking should be paid for, mm-hmm. and the in the perception at least is that your on street parking right in front of the businesses is premier parking, right? right? And then your garage, you're going to have to walk a little bit. Um, so I I would I have always been an advocate that if something 
like that were to change, and I think that would be perceived as a pretty radical change, that both communities should do it together so that there is no finger-pointing of, well, they're doing this, why do we have to do it this way? We're the only community that I am aware of in central Illinois, and, and including St. Louis and Chicago, that has free street parking in our downtown area at all. I mean, I, if there's a community that does it somewhere else, I don't know where it is. And it, it, even including, like, Ottawa, which is way smaller than we are, <laughs> they have paid And I want to throw this in before we continue just be, to help, because people are listening to this and they're trying to visualize this. And, Jamie, we've had these conversations. It's no longer putting a quarter or a nickel in a machine. Like, you don't have to do that anymore. There are apps on your phone. Yeah. Um, you can get alerts when your time's almost out mm-hmm. and re-up it. Like, there's all ty- kinds of technology. The, that has the made technology this simple is now. there. It's, it's yeah. those pay machines where you have one for the the whole block. It's yeah. not like Cool Hand Luke where you've got an entire row of them and somebody's <laughs> walking with a pipe cutter down there and cutting all the heads off the parking machines. Lake Geneva. Uh, I think we've talked about them specifically. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, yeah way, the way they have theirs is pretty... Kelly's family, that's one of the places they like to go for some time off and we go up to Lake Geneva and when you go into... So not only are there parking meters in their downtown which is, is very constrained for the amount of tourism that they get but not only are there parking meters in the downtown, but when you go into the restaurants, uh, most of the restaurants or the shops, if you're a paying customer, they will validate your parking for you. So when you go back out to the machine and they give you a little slip of paper with a QR code on it and you scan it at the machine, and then it says, okay, we had lunch at uh, that cafe and they gave us a free half an hour of parking. Mm -hmm. And then I asked asked the the restaurant owner, I'm like, well, how, how, how does that work? The restaurant owners can go down to their um, downtown information office and buy a prepaid book of those, and they get a discount for buying a book of those coupons at one time. So when they give them out to their paying customers, it's they're not you know it's a, I think that he said that they buy them for forty or fifty percent off. Mm-hmm. And there has been some success with that on the Illinois State University campus, um, and. I, I don't in any way speak for that. Sure. I, I just work there, but it seems to it, it seems to be going pretty well anecdotally. Yeah. Um, like they converted the whole uh, parking lot next to the Alamo yep. a couple years ago, and it, so that that seems to be going well. I do think you know, for better or worse, that if something like this would were to be tried, that there would have to be a big upfront educational effort, uh, particularly in these times that that we exist in, where everyone is angry about everything and hyper-suspicious of everything all the time. (laughs) But I think Jamie's point is really valid. If you go to other communities, that's that's the way it works, and there seems to be a reason for the way it works. Well, and I think there's sometimes a, there's a really serious hidden cost to parking and parking spaces. Yeah, that's right? what I wanted to kind of tease out a little bit yeah. for people who haven't thought about parking very much. Like all, all four of us are odd to the degree to which we've we've dwelt on this topic, but maybe unpack a little bit about why flipping that arrangement. Like, what would that do to parking patterns, and how would it benefit? Well, I, I just actually I want to just because make a larger point, and then I'll sure yield to you. It's yeah. just I I think sometimes for whatever reason in this community um, we I, I, I would think that this is a community that travels a lot and sees other parts of the country but I, I don't think and I will say this over and over again I don't think in many ways we appreciate what we have here in Bloomington and a normal for the positive and I think for whatever reason there's a knee-jerk reaction at times at least from some quarters to be suspicious of any change, even if we are just adopting 
what are pretty standard best practices. Uh, before I go into it, I'll, I'll say I 100% agree with you because I travel a lot for work conferences and I, I see other cities, the conferences move around and I see things. And I, you know, after you're in an elected uh, position, you pay attention to different stuff. It's like if you buy a Jeep, you see a million Jeeps on the road. Well, when you're an elected official, you see all these things that are going on. Sometimes you, as you're driving down the road, you see googly eyes and billboards and, um, you know, you, you pay attention a lot more. Um, and I, I just said this in front of the uh, our state of officials. We had a meeting last week, and I told them, you know, when I talk to people from other places and I say that I'm from Illinois, they're very excited that I'm from Illinois. And it, nobody hates Illinois like people who live in Illinois. Um, but people, when you're traveling around, they're so excited to tell you about their experiences and things that they did and saw in Illinois. And, and so... We, we, I agree with you. We don't always. We don't. <laughs> well, I, I just. But touched. I think that's a problem. I mean, it is. It's, it's it, really a big problem. And yeah. I think I think a lot of the. And I'll just say this real quick, and we can talk about this. I'm sure a couple more times through this podcast is that we also listen to the wrong people a lot of times. We listen to the five percent that are complaining about sure. something instead of the ninety five percent that that actually would be okay with it. But I was just going to touching on parking. We are in both communities very lucky that if we did this switch that we were talking about, paved on street, free parking garage is we have really conveniently placed parking garages mm-hmm. in both downtown Bloomington and uptown normal yeah. that the most you would have to walk is two blocks yeah. and you park for free all day long. Yeah, like, 100%. Like, I mean, I and it's a, been measured, right? I right. mean, you know, it has been measured that if you walk from the northernmost garage to the normal theater, that you're walking about as much as you would from the worst parking spot at Walmart to the front door. Yeah. It's just, it's not... Again, it's perception. It's not. Or, or was it like Sears to Coles? I remember yeah. that kind of comparison before too. Like yeah. just walking in the mall, you're walking yeah. further. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the, the the I'll swing it us back around to the downtown with my idea for parking yeah. that you and I had talked about in sure. the past is, so one of the perception issues that I've heard over the years um, is that there's not enough parking in downtown Bloomington. It is 100% not true, um, but it, it there are certain times of the day, right? If you are trying to park anywhere near the 400 block um, from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m., well, the Coffee Hound and Ivy Lane are very busy places, mm-hmm. and um, they could all be in my office too. Just to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just so eager for yeah. auto insurance. But, and and you, you might have to walk two blocks. I knew that's to get what there, it was. Right? Yeah. You might have to walk two blocks to get to uh, Coffee Hound or Ivy Lane uh, that early time in the morning. Um, you know, so there's periods of time around restaurants and stuff like that. There's plenty of parking as long as we count the two garages that are in downtown. And so the I, one of the challenges we have, though, is we have, as that number of residents has grown, well, the residents, um, you know, some of the more responsible um, property owners, if somebody moves into an apartment, they give them built into their price of their apartment is here's a parking pass for the garage. And then you're, you're good. You get a parking pass for every bedroom. And there's several of, of our uh, property owners downtown that do an amazing job with that. Um, so, but there are others that don't, right? There's those outliers that start causing issues. And so the residents are parking. When they get home, they park in the spots, that, and now customers can't park in those spots. The other challenge we have is we have employers who allow their employees in what is what I consider so incredibly short-sighted 
they let their employees park in spots, and then you see them. Some of them have timers, and then you'll see like all their employees come boiling out of the store, and then they all rotate their cars and move them around. And I'm and I just can't. I just want to scream at the top of my lungs. That's where your customers are supposed to park. So one of the ways we can combat that is by flipping um, flipping the conversation around. If we make the parking spaces in the garage free 24-7, all the employees should be in the parking garage because it's free. All the residents should be in the garage because it's free. We then put parking meters on the streets, and now those spaces are all available for customers to park in. 90-minute uh, parking is enough for most places to have dinner. We do the thing with the validating of the parking passes. If you're coming in and you're going to spend, you know, call it uh, 80 bucks for a really nice dinner at Bakery and Pickle or something, will they give you a 35-cent slip to validate some park it? You're damn right that they will. Um, you know, if somebody's coming into Red Raccoon Games, if you're coming in to buy some stuff, I'm absolutely going to validate you. If you're coming in and you're going to play a game, some of the war games that the guys play take all night long, drop your stuff off, go put your car in the garage for the rest of the night, then you don't have to worry about parking. This is, it's just intelligent conversations we need to have with people and break it down onto a logical, reasoned way of thinking about things. Do you think that makes sense in normal too, RC? Well, normal has is going to have some challenge. And again, I'm not necessarily privy. Um, I, I talk and I hear things, but I'm not necessarily privy to where they are with these dialogues. But with uh, Trail East, you know, the construction work that's going to go on there, and then that building come on coming online. It's going to be and, a lot of people. And, there. Then, and then hopefully. Uh, a trail west at some point in the future and uptown to south of the tracks they're going and this was in the works when I was on council and it was on the horizon do a, a full scale audit of exactly where they are and some parking spaces are going to come offline and you're going to be bringing more people uptown as a result now those are good things really in aggregate and in the big picture, but some work is going to have to be done. People should be able to take the bus there for free and we wouldn't have a problem. But <laughs> um, with, with with parking, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, I got head shakes. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the listeners couldn't see the head shaking, but I wanted um, I'm like, that's a whole other podcast, I know, man. I know. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. I know, but... We want to thank our sponsor, BRE Law. They're located in Bloomington Normal, and they can help you uh, with any wide variety of personal injury cases, whether it's car accidents, injuries to children, construction accidents, motorcycle accidents, dog bites. Contact them at breinjurylaw.com. So you, since we're mentioning some of the big projects, I thought that's something else we could cover uh, on the podcast. And not, I'm not comparing the two because they're probably very different, but I want you to have an opportunity to talk about um, the underpass and what that means for Uptown. And then, Jamie, uh, I'll go to you after that, and I want to talk about uh, a Connect Transfer Transfer Center downtown Bloomington and what, and what that could do for downtown. But, RC, I'll let you go first on kind of explain what this underpass deal is. Like, I was on the um, One Voice trip that went to D.C., and I went to the mm -hmm. Department of Transportation and participated in that. Um, but kind of talk through the, the length of time this has taken, where you are, how, how much, uh, say you, I'm sorry, but how much normal short sure. uh, after the grant and all that. Well, uh, again, $13 million is, is certainly nothing to sneeze at. And, and, I, and I don't know that they know the precise number 
yet of mm-hmm. where they're they're short. Um, and there's probably a good, better, best scenario in there too. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, I think there is some hope that the state would come through. But the value that that project will bring to the community and expanding and building up further um, the city center, the town center, if you will, and what could happen in that next phase south of the railroad tracks is just incredibly exciting. I mean, you're talking about plans for some really cool public spaces, you know, the amphitheater drawings that I'm sure that some of you have seen and parks and programming that that would allow the Children's Discovery Museum to do and the extra access and the safer access to the CDM and then hopefully a new library. I know that, you know, speaking of potentially controversial topics, but I will say, from my opinion, hopefully a a new library. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk, rightfully so, about some of the holes that Bloomington Normal has in its housing market. And I think there's a great opportunity to diversify our housing stock with Uptown 2. So, again, it's also not going to happen overnight. What do you mean by that? Explain what you mean by that. Well, I I think there are some holes in the marketplace. I I hesitate to use the term affordable housing, though, because that term means a little something different to, depending on to whom you're speaking. Well, and here's here's how. Let me show you how I like to explain it to people. So, Bloomington and, and Normal have quite a bit of what we would traditionally have called low-income and or subsidized housing that's available. Some of it is age-restricted for the elderly, some is not, but there's there's quite a bit of it scattered around the community. But um, what happens to the folks who make just a little bit too much money to qualify for that? And that's why I, that's where I use the term affordable housing too, to, for, for people who are either new into their lifestyles with their, you know, mm-hmm. the building their families or, or something, or, or uh, you know, towards the end of retirement, stuff like that. There is a shortage of housing, um, apartments or housing that are, you know, not the $250,000 McMansions that we, we built out the east side with. Well, and then a lot of that has to do, of course, just with the rapid economic expansion that this community saw all at one yeah. time. And we do. We have way too many of the same types of homes and the same sorts of um, cost brackets uh, in this community. I, and I think there's an acknowledgement of that. The other thing is that, um, you know, we hear a lot, I think, from recent college grads, you know, who are just starting out, as you said, Jamie, um, about how they, it's really tough for them to find a place to live. And we're not talking about young people that are coming out and say, I immediately want a five-bedroom, three, you know, three garage. Or well, three some of that's student housing, I'm surprised or well, not. Well, and, and, and you know, it's, and, some of the, and some of them, I'm sure, can do it. And some of them, even though they might say otherwise, some of them do secretly aspire to that at yeah, some point. Sure. And, that's, and that's great. So, but you Frankly, you didn't have the student, you know, when some of us went to school, you didn't have the student loan issues that you have now. Um, you know, that whole thing has changed in the last 10 to 15 got a years. Mortgage, right? Exactly. And and that wasn't necessarily the case when we were coming out of school. Yeah. Now, that is something. They, they used to call those starter houses, too, right? Exactly. This and is this your starter houses. I mean, two bedroom house, and you got a kitchen and a garage, and have a nice day, right? And then maybe it's in the, uh, the 75, 80 to 100 and a quarter kind of price range. Or more rental houses. More, yeah. which, which, you know, are, are really tough. They exist in this community, but and they're really tough to find. So there's enough space mm-hmm. in Uptown, I think, to do some really unique things. And I would encourage folks to look at, you know, the master plan, as was 
accepted by the council, what, three years ago now, four years ago, and look at some of the ideas that were presented in that document, which still lives on the Town of Normal website. We talked to Kathleen Lorenz in the last episode a little bit about the underpass, and Stan Nord, too. We, we ran that by both of them. Um, Kathleen mentioned something I didn't know, so if people haven't heard that one, um, that a at-grade crossing is not possible there for federal reasons. And so... Yeah. And I asked why... And the railroad. I mean, it, 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 it's the railroad and federal law that... Yeah. I, and yes, that, that cheaper access point would be everyone's first choice. Yeah. But it, it, it's like what Jamie was talking about earlier with the with the quiet zone that can't be. I mean, it, it literally can't be. Yeah, so that helped me a little bit with... I struggle a lot with taking grants because, like, you know, we, we're, we're not... Uh, I think Bloomington and Normal are in pretty good financial condition, not doing and not doing poorly, especially compared to ten years ago. Um, state's a mess, federal government's a mess, and so taking taking federal and state grants to me seems like we're like you know what what broke uh, what broke group or what insolvent group are you going to take money from? It's all our taxes anyway, right? So it just kind of comes from a different pocket. But I, I was a little bit more sympathetic to that when she mentioned that the reason we need an underpass is because of the federal rules. So if the federal government is going to cause a problem, then they can at least give us a grant to try to solve the problem. And, and not just the federal government, but also private industry. I mean, the railroad is also oh, a, so, a big okay. part of the problem I didn't here, too. So, and, and again, there's certainly some there's a relationship between the railroad yeah. and the federal government. So yeah. it's, not, it's not all the government's fault. Yeah. So with... Um, with building these things in Uptown, I mean, you mentioned the the, the wow factor of people who... I, I graduated in, from ISU in 2006, um, so that was, like, right when it was starting, and so I have this, still have that same wow factor when I go there and think about how different it was, and, mm-hmm. um, but I do reflect on the fact that it's debt-funded, and so, like, if I really wanted to impress my friends, I could... I could max out a credit card and do some really nice stuff to my house, right? But I don't. But I, I worry about Normal's ability to pay that off in the long term, especially when maintenance comes due on a lot of these things. So Normal has never taken out a debt for which there wasn't a dedicated revenue stream towards mm-hmm. paying off that debt, and I think that is something that has been repeatedly lost in the shuffle. So, and the fact is. Uh, you know, I always like to think of Jimmy Stewart, you know, and his, his first great lecture in It's a Wonderful Life of Mr. Potter. You know, I, you could you could wait and save up enough money to buy a house in cash. And how few people are ever going to become homeowners if you do that? You can also buy a small house and then gradually improve it into the house that you want it to be, though. You can in, iterate in, towards In cash? <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't. People, I don't know that a lot of people are going to be able to do that. I, uh, I mean, with um, regulations and zoning laws being what they are, we can't build at a price point where talk, people can do that. But talk about the 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 um, dedicated streams of income that you have coming yeah. coming back. I mean, what, what, well, what, it, it, what, and you don't have to get into the weeds on it. I'm just saying, like, explain what that means. Explain where this money is getting paid back from, and the economic impact some of these things that you've taken out loans for to create is going to You look at, and you know, another thing that I think gets neglected often when we talk about Uptown is uh, some of the first bond issues, if you go back and look for them, paid for infrastructure, plain old water and sewer, 
which were all at that point over 100 years old and were yeah. going to need to be done anyway. I think those that, are pretty, those were and that was a size controversial. Yeah, and that was a sizable bond issue. Uh, don't don't quote me on this, but the number jingling around in my head was 13 million just, just for that. So uh, I, I think folks, you know, lose sight of that sometimes. But um, you look, you know, TIFF has been successful in Uptown. Now it's not a coverall. It doesn't work everywhere. Uh, in fact, I think you could say the town of Normal is a shining example of how one can work really, really well, and other words can create next to nothing when you look on the, the north side of town. Um, and there's also been the establishment of, uh, you know, a special service area like College Hills Mall. Um, which we all remember what that was, or at least most of us listening remember what that was two decades ago and, and how that is improved. Mm -hmm. So um, that has been, and I think uh, to the credit of the council, those that were on well before me and, and hopefully those who are moving into the future, this is not just running up the credit card, as you say. Mm -hmm. So the dedicated revenue stream for the debt is... Um, like from the TIF? Then? Yeah, it's going to come from enhanced property values. It may come from increased traffic. It may come from sales tax. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily one. <coughs> but again, it's... Um, it's from growth. Yeah. It's spurred by it. So going back to Jamie, um, in Bloomington, we've been talking about some sort of transfer center um, in, in downtown Bloomington for the buses. Currently, they stack up on Front Street. Um, which yeah. we've just redone, and it looks really good on Front Street, but it's still not an adequate bus transfer center. So No, I mean, you know, well, so this is Illinois, and we have uh, extreme seasons would be the kindest way I think any of us would say it. And, uh, you know, th there's still people that are having to wait to catch the bus, to get to work, to get to college, to get wherever they're going, that are hanging out outside. You know, there's a little bitty windbreak shelter out there. But at a certain point, you know, when we get some of these extreme weather situations, be that, um, you know, a five degrees with a negative 15 degree wind chill, which happens every year. Um, or we get to it's 95 degrees outside and, you know, feels like about a thousand percent humidity, they're still standing outside and waiting for the buses. And uh, I think that uh, most people with the heart would agree that that is not the way that we should be setting other people up. So, yeah, the, the, the Connect Transit um, is, has been working towards finding a home for a downtown transfer station in downtown Bloomington. Um, there's a bunch of well, there's, there's not a bunch. There are locations on the table that I can't talk about right now, um, which ones they are, but I think, yeah, I think that's the way that we need to go. Um, it created a whole lot of controversy when we were on the downtown task force when we, you know, there was a conversation about a combined um, transfer station and a parking garage and a library all at once. And if we had just left the library out of that, the conversation would have been forward. The library was the trigger point that just sent some people um, flying off the handle. But, it, but I think that there is still room for conversation. Um, 
you know, I would personally like to advocate for a, a combined bus transfer station and, and parking deck, right? I think that that makes a lot of sense. Maybe some additional retail around the edges of it, or, you know, I think Uptown did a really cool thing with on the edge of the parking deck, they, there's a, uh, some apartments there, right? I thought that was a really good use of space in that, in that situation. Um, and the, uh, the, you know, going back to applying for grants, um, you know, it's our money anyway. So when we're applying for grants, we're just trying to bring some of the money that every single one of us is already paying in federal taxes. We're just trying to bring some of it back to Bloomington. That's fair. Um, you know, it's uh, there was a West Wing episode with uh, Jed Bartlett was uh, debating somebody, and he says, "By my calculation, last year Florida got 110 billion dollars of other states' money." My question to you is, you know, can we have it back? Right? I always love that episode. Um, but it's the same thing as we're out advocating for some of the money that we're paying into the federal government anyway to bring it back to Bloomington to do projects back in Bloomington. And if we can get a combined project where we solve some of the city of Bloomington's needs, maybe that's parking, um, and we can also solve some connect transit needs that better the entire community, that's a that's a good looking project. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the parking deck is ultimately where it's going to go. Could go somewhere else because um, there's other properties still on the table. But I personally think that would be a cool place to do it, and we'll see where that goes. But I think it's important just for that we should be treating people better. Just is it for the humanity's sake of it, nothing else. So I'm I'm just gonna put some of my opinion out there. I. When we talk about repaving, I know, right? When we talk about repaving, I usually am pretty reserved. The um, repaving downtown and how, keeping uh, keeping those streets looking good. One way to do that is to stop those big buses from running down the streets uh, in the middle of downtown. And I think that would also help with a lot of the parking issues because um, you know we, you you've done some math on that. Um, if we, I think if we have a transfer center, one neutral spot downtown where people know that's where they're going to get on the bus. Then we can start putting the buses around downtown again, and, and then you don't have this uh, those huge Huge vehicles going right through the city center, um, where people. I, I think I, I don't know. I think it's a safety issue for one. I think it's an infrastructure issue, um, and so I think the transfer center will also help with getting those out of downtown and around. The and outside. I think that's a legit issue uh, or a le uh, opinion on there. I, I'm so I can be personally torn a little bit on this as well, because a lot of my customers that come into my store are ISU kids who are riding the Green Line, goes back and forth between uptown and, and downtown every 15 minutes. And right now, they get dropped off at the corner right right down the block from the store. But, but if they've got to walk two more blocks, they absolutely will. Right. Because right? you can't have it both ways with the parking conversation. I know. Right? You can't, right? So... <laughs> So and so, I would go with whatever. If we can do a solution with that, I would go with. You know, I always do whatever is the better for the community. And um, if if we can pull that off and keep them back on major roads that were actually designed to handle the weight of those buses, right? Yeah, that that sounds perfectly reasonable to me. And then it would they'd appreciate it even more when that bus is free. So yeah, well, it is for them. I guess <laughs> that's, that's two for you scoring at home. <laughs> I got a question for you guys who, who spend more time in downtown than I do. Um, I'm down there a little bit. I get, my, I get my streets mixed up. Which one runs past both your businesses? Is that center? Main. Main. Okay. So Main currently two lane, one way. Um, what are your thoughts on if that would, how that would work as a one lane road to improve safety? 
Oh, Sorry, I shouldn't put You're my opinion in You're just pushing buttons, there. aren't you? Um, so for actually, whatever, for whatever no. reason, I shouldn't say to improve safety because that's my two cents. But <laughs> well, <laughs> and I, thoughts, I, pros and cons. Um, so it's actually been proven to be safer to have a one lane versus a two lane street. I don't think that that's controversial at all um, because we have a habit right now in the in the downtown area of delivery vehicles double parking in front of businesses. Cars swerve over into the other lane to go around the whatever truck might be sitting there. And, it, you know, we've had some pretty close calls with people who, you know, walking around the wrong side of the vehicle and don't see the car swinging around. And so we've had some pretty close calls. So I think safety is a realistic conversation. Um, there, we're going to have a conversation about it this spring again. I did some math last year and we can get more parking spaces, more on the street parking, um, if we went down to one lane and, and went to angled parking on both sides of the street. Um, so we can get more in there. We would have to build dedicated delivery zones for each block. Where to, um, And I, I actually had a conversation with both the UPS driver and the FedEx driver. They're at my store almost every day of the week dropping things off. And I said, well, what do you guys think? And, and the UPS guy is like, well, I wouldn't necessarily like it, but I would if that's what had I had to do. If that's what you made the law where I could park at. Then that's exactly what I would have to do. So, you know, we can we can have a dedicated loading zone. We could have um, more angled parking on both sides of the street. We can have a single lane where everybody still gets through. We can create um, a more walkable downtown, all kind of in one master move. But people have a lot of questions, and, and so we're going to have to have some more conversations about that to make sure that we answer everybody's uh, questions before we move forward. I think you should do that the exact same time you put parking meters in and just watch the heads explode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting to hear that because it all it all sounds right. It all rings true on the surface. And uh, and, I, and I confess I don't know where this is um, and what might have changed in the last year, but I, as some of uh, your listeners might be aware that part of um, the most recent Uptown 2 plan was to change College and Mulberry from their current one-ways in Normal to two-way streets. I was going to ask if there was any conversations about that in Normal. I hadn't heard that before. That's yeah, and it's and it's part Some of Some people the, think that did change because I see it all the time <laughs> on college. <laughs> <laughs> I had that happen to me last week where it's just... There should not be headlights looking at me right now, and, and, and you know they they realize it and quickly turn off. And um, so yeah, I know that feeling. Um, but again, the idea behind that was you would make Mulberry the northernmost, the through street, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. college See. more local. Yeah. It helps connect the, um, the exactly parking deck better. It, the yeah. parking deck and Just the current library, yeah, library and, yep. mm-hmm. you know Heartland Bank and, and everything. And, but again, that also seems to ring true on the surface as, as we talked about it and as far as associates looked at it and we we're talking about it here. But I also think that at some point, um, you know, before you do anything like that, you're going to have to engage in a full-fledged traffic pattern study and you're going to have to get, you know, subject matter experts in to fish out, suss out the data. Uh, as soon as you get an engineer in there, it's dead. Well, but I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, well, I'll leave that be. But I think sometimes, I think we have created, and certain people have created, a an unhealthy skepticism 
of subject matter experts that is not doing as much good as a society. And no, yeah, as I long agree as, with that. I mean, as long as they... As long as they're clear about what their motivations and training right, are. Right, as long as they don't come in. Going back to the Strong Towns thing, you know, he said as a civil engineer, Chuck Marone said as a civil engineer, he was taught that his job was to move cars as efficiently as possible in places. And then, you know, like human. But leave human with the cars. Yeah, the purpose was like, you're a traffic engineer, so you're concerned with traffic, and that's cars, and that's like, oh, well, if you do a two lane road, it's not as efficient as a, as a one lane. I mean, it's more efficient than a one lane and stuff. So, but, um,. Yeah, so you just have to be kind of careful what the underlying assumptions are, and then. Um, but we and we've had some blowback on that in the community too, right? Because the same traffic engineers are the guys coming out saying if we do a thirteen foot wide lane, it's more it's safer for than the eleven foot wide lane. Mm-hmm. What's well, safer for the vehicle, right? Yeah. The car, be and people feel safer, and so what do they do? They go faster. faster. Yeah. Well, so we've got issues where people are like, oh my God, there's always speeding on in Ward One, mm-hmm. Lincoln Street, right? Well, we streets too wide. Yeah, streets too wide. Well, and that was also again. I referred to the plan um, for some more traffic bump outs and some more on street parking, for instance, on college, which would have the effect of slowing people down. And then also, as you say, to keep pedestrians and bicyclists and other modes of transportation in mind, not just the the single driver. Well, oh boy, Um, (laughs) not just the single driver uh, in in his or her vehicle. And but you're right, the subject matter expert who comes in with a, you know, predetermined opinion on things is no different than, you know, the four of us coming in with a predetermined opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it, um, it, it's been an interesting thing that, uh, Again, it comes from strong towns again, but they're pointing out that construction uh, congestion in certain areas is actually desirable. Like you kind of want a congested downtown to the extent is you don't want cars going very quickly in your downtown area because that's not a place where you need cars to be able to go 35 miles an hour. Right. You want cars to be going cautiously. You don't want everything all jammed up, right? Not that kind of congestion. But you want people driving at a speed where they're cautious, where if a kid does dart out on the road, Mm -hmm. they're going slow enough and they're looking closely enough that they can stop, like, for the human life impact of it. And so, um, but congestion is such a, you know, a dirty word um, that you... uh, well, there are also people that think that Veterans Parkway has a lot of congestion. Yeah. And yeah. I lived on the north side of Chicago for a couple of years, and Veterans Parkway is the best of traffic during the best of times up there, unless it's like 2 in the morning, yeah. right? I mean, even at, for our one 24-minute window from, you know, 4.05 until 4.31, yeah. um, even when it looks like it's super full, it's still so much better than most areas. Yeah. Well, and we do get... We do get spoiled a lot. I get, oh, yeah. You know, I and I plead definitely guilty to, you know, there is an event at the DoubleTree, and I have even caught myself saying, "Ugh, I have to go all the way out there." <laughs> it's, it's 16 minutes from my house, yeah. but uh, you know, we. So my kids always. My kids make fun of me now. Or, but like the youngest one is like, "How long is it going to take to get there?" My oldest one is like, 15 minutes. Everything's 15 minutes, Dad." <laughs> I'm like, well, if we lived in Dallas, everything would be 45 minutes. So just be happy about that. Yeah. I live six miles from where I used to work in Chicago, and that was a legitimate 45 minutes on a good day and an hour and a quarter on a bad day. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I moved back to Bloomington, because I just couldn't take it anymore. I felt like I was wasting so much of my life stuck in a car. Yeah. 
So, question for both of you. I'm going to let Jamie go first this time because I think I let RC go first last time. And it's a two-part question. What's the one thing that you regret that you've been a part of while serving? Um, and then the second part is if you had a magic wand and could just get one of those ideas that you have for the community done right now as quickly as possible, what would it be? Man. Um, okay, so one thing that I regret... Um, and it could be a decision you made or council made as a whole, but just one thing that you wish would have went differently while serving. Um, the uh, the way that the downtown task force model was handled once it got to um, council, right? I mean, I people um, acted. I, I, in some ways, there were some people who were irrational on both sides of that discussion. And I wish we could have handled that completely different. Um, I wish we could have pulled out and, and you know, we, we quite literally threw the baby out with the bathwater on that one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish we could have pulled out the controversial piece, the, the Catalyst Project, and said, we'll talk about this later and just focused on the rest of it and just move forward with the rest of the plan. But instead, kind of the whole plan got put on the shelf for now. Um, and uh, are you optimistic that are you optimistic that it's some of it's coming off the shelf? Well, I think know? it is. Yes. I mean, I think Tim has been a tremendous help with that. Yeah, our uh, city manager Tim Gleason has been pulling off some of the stuff and, and working on it. And um, um, I think that uh, I think that it's we're going to have more discussions on more things that were in that downtown plan. So, um, if I had a magic wand and I got to pick one thing. Uh, I don't even know what the one thing would be. There's so many things that I, I think that we can do better. Um, it's all just in the last couple of years. So I would say, um, I mean, let me think on that a minute. You go first with your... Uh, yeah, you, what, what is, you, what is, is this regret? nonsense? <laughs> go with your regret. Well, you <laughs> mean, I mean, you've mentioned parking and the transfer center. Think on those. But yeah, let's RC, what's okay. the one thing you regret? So then, then, we'll go back then, to then he'll do Magic yes. Wand, and then I'll do Magic That's Wand, what, so we'll I, can, go, yeah. I can do a pass to... ping pong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we've talked about it a little bit already, and, I, and, and I've actually, I believe, said this to, to Jamie and, and some of his colleagues and some of his former former, former colleagues, pardon me, is uh, if, if the Metro thing... MetroZone thing had to play out all over again, and I still believe, just frankly, that Bloomington made a mistake and that, and that it was short-sighted. But I wish, if you remember the letter that was signed, mm-hmm. I do. I wish I had not signed that letter, and um, and I did it for the sake of unity of our council. I thought at the time that it was important that we do that, and I regret doing that because once you commit something like that, and those are some pretty strong words. Um, once you commit something like that to writing, there are no take-backs. I think you can you can say, if, if you say something like that sitting up at the table or in an interview or even to a friend, you can just say, I let my emotions get the best of me, and I, I shouldn't mm-hmm. have said that. But uh, you can't really do that when you put it in writing. So that is uh, probably the one thing that I would I would take back. It's like the... the Content and the conclusion, maybe you still agree with, but the, the manner in which it was worded in the language. Exactly, the I think the that it didn't need it did not need to be that harsh. And whenever, and all of us know this, whenever you find yourself making decisions out of emotion, generally speaking, those decisions are not the best ones we make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say that to people at work that, like, I have trouble thinking of a situation where I say, like, man, if I was just a little bit more worked up. <laughs> At that moment, it would have gone so much better. Like, yeah. just to keep your head and stay cool. Yeah. 
Uh, I'll, I'll just I'll throw this in there for the sake of everybody listening. I was running for council when all the stuff <laughs> of the metro zone went down. Yeah. And I happen to agree with you that it was a mistake for Bloomington to pull out of there. However, um, I think that there was a lot of miscommunication between the staffs of both the town and the city where that from I've talked to everybody uh, multiple times on the subject since that happened and I don't think that either council had all the information they should have had to make an informed decision. I think both councils were delivered information that led them to a conclusion and um, so I think that there was there should have been better communication but from the administrative staff to the councils and both sides. But I agree with you. I think long term, I think it was a bad deal. And and I'm about 80, I'm about eighty percent of the way there with you on that statement. Yeah. Even I'm not there fully, but yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in that. All right, yeah. balls back over to you. What's your okay. magic, magic wand? Magic wand. Magic wand. Um, so if if I can change one thing now, is that what we're magic? Yeah, on? one aspect. Or one thing I could go back in Dominus Ominous and change everything from ten years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's do today. Okay, one thing I could do today. Um, let's do something that if someone hears this, they might actually get behind your idea and be an advocate. Next for Next council meeting, it's on the agenda. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll have public commenters lined no up to say yeah, 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 yeah. Standing applause. All twelve of our listeners um, are going to be super excited. Yeah. Ten so, people public comment. All right. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll go something with that's that's been a discussion in the town of normal that is is controversial and normal right now but it I think ultimately it's a different framing of things um, if I got to have one thing that I think that will long-term benefit the entire community for the next 50 years it would be that both communities should pull um, and work with Serban a lot closer um, every time any road is dug up anywhere in this community, we should be using Serban. Uh, for those that don't know, Serban is Central Illinois Regional Broadband Network. Um, it's a five. Serban is our locally owned fiber optic company. Um, it is literally owned by and managed by the town, the city, the county, ISU, Wesleyan. Um, and it's it's our locally owned one, and we should be working with Serban to make sure that we have fiber optic connectivity everywhere going forward as we're moving towards a more and more digital society. Um, having the ability to have an ultra high speed backhaul from any given point, either that be a resident or a business or a telephone pole, so that we can provide emergency services or whatever it be. Um, for a 50-year time frame. So at least for downtown businesses, how is that looking? Because when, when Normal got redone, that was part of it, right, was improving the telecommunications infrastructure. Is that is that still going to be a need in downtown when yeah. these things get resurfaced? Not gonna be able to it, it, and it's ironic, too, right? So um, most, uh, most communities are scrapping to try to get one fiber optic company to come to their community. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have five different companies that are putting fiber in all over, which says something to how other, again, how other uh, businesses view Bloomington Normal. They, they see Bloomington Normal as a pretty nice place that they want to be. And... Um, uh, our problem is we have five companies and they're digging everything up and they keep digging through water lines and sewer lines and and or each other's fiber or something. So we have we almost have too many people right now. Um, downtown, though, not every building in downtown is connected. They did do that in at least a few blocks of uptown that every building got connected. 
And I think long term, it would be good if we could get Serbin connected into every building in downtown area in the downtown area. Okay, it's a good answer. So you give him a little bit of time. He came up with something. Yeah, that, but that <laughs> and that is a really good answer. And I don't, I, I, I don't know that Serbin has necessarily been controversial and normal. I think you know maybe maybe someone one individual has an axe to grind, but well, that's, um, yeah. but that's. Um, and, and that also goes back to something we were talking about earlier, you know, the good that the federal grant money can do in a community, because, of course, that was the genesis of Serban, mm-hmm. and that is going to be, we are very lucky to have it, and it's oh. going to be critical for this community, not just to grow, but just to, to maintain uh, as we go a long way out. Um, so I'll go a little more, because there are, there are a lot of things I'd like to see in our community. I'll go a little more philosophical, if I can. I wish... Justin is looking at me like, oh, if you must. <laughs> um, you didn't read the rules, but whatever. <laughs> I wish. I w- and this is, this is not a normal problem. This is not a Bloomington problem. This is an everything problem. And, and, and social media, we were talking before the show, exacerbates it. Um, I think there is a tendency of a, almost everyone at times to assume they're informed when they're not. Um, to make decisions on emotion instead of based on data or facts. I think there uh, a lot of folks uh, believe that they're entitled to their own set of facts. And I am not a big fan of this we-they sort of attitude towards particularly local government. Um, you know, as mentioned before, Jamie's primary job, if I ask Jamie, what do you do for a living, you are a small business owner. You're not a, you're not a politician. I sell board games, <laughs> right? I sell fun. That's how I say it. I sell fun. Affordable. Go ahead and put in the yeah. mention the address on the website so people get it. But that that is what he does for a living. You know, I I was at a, a university or I am at a university administrator. City councils, school boards, that's public service. That is community service. And when you start with the we-they sort of thing, or they're doing this, or it's a grand conspiracy, or what you're actually doing, I think, is you are pulling yourself away from your own responsibility as a citizen. It's very easy to throw your hands up in the air and say, well, they're going to do it this way anyway. And, and I think that's a real problem. And I, and I will also say that um, if the only thing we are worried about and we expect from our government is what our tax rate is or what our tax bill says, we are doomed as a society. And it is not, it's not about what you pay in taxes, it's about is it equitable, is it fair, and what are you getting in return. Yeah. And I, and I, so I'll just leave no, it there. That's a, that's a great point. I'll get up on a soapbox on that real quick. Again, something that Kathleen and, and I talked about. Um, I asked her if she had ever felt unsafe based on any interaction she had in her role in town council. And she said previously no, but recently there, there have been, uh, she said one time in particular, where it made her and her family feel unsafe the way that someone was interacting with her. And um, you know, things like that and the disengagement you talk about, that it disappoints me so much because if there's one thing I have a passion for, and one of the main reasons why I want to do this podcast is for people to know there are so many ways to get engaged. There's so many people doing things. Um, 
you know, we say people doing big things in Bloomington normal. It doesn't take like a special person. It just takes somebody who wants to spend their time in a way to help, to serve, to fill a need that they see. And then for someone to stand back and just hurl stones at them and badmouth them and write snide comments on, on the internet about them, it, it discouraged that public engagement, which is the whole point of local government, right? You're supposed to be able to be involved with things. I, a hu- I'm sorry. There's, there's a huge problem, too, when you have people that are good people, regardless of where they may sit on an ideological spectrum. Just sit that aside. But just they're intelligent, caring people who want to see their community want to leave their community better, however they define that, for their the next generations, when they will not consider a run for a city council mm-hmm. or even an appointment a to a, a Connect Transit board or, you know, just because I don't want to expose myself or my... And I'm just using those... Uh, no, no, I'm just I saying... I don't want to put myself or my family through that. And that is something that I've heard from other folks. Yeah. And that is I've a, heard that, too. And, and that is a real problem. So, so those that are out there dishing... Um, you know, those sorts of things on the Internet. I want to think about, I want you, I, I'd ask that you contemplate what you've done. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I rem, I'm reminded of what I tell my 10-year-old. It's when she comes and just complains with nothing to back. I mean, don't come in with a complaint unless you have a solution or, you know. <laughs> come so, in with answers, not problems. That, I mean, that's kind of what I, I yeah, teach my 10-year-old. I teach. <laughs> well, but if, she, if all she's, okay, that's a great yeah, point, yeah. though. If all she's saying is I'm hungry and not like, can I have this or can yeah, I, we do yeah. this? Like that's just whining to me, sure. and that's what, what I hear. Yeah. That's what I hear on social media, especially. Well, um, but a, even public comment. I'll, 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 I'll example this right is we were talking about the quiet zone for the trains earlier. I, I, uh, one of the residents was reaching out to me about the trains were so loud by his house, and I said, "Here's what is happening." Now, Federal Railroad Administration, the railroad companies themselves. Here's what's going on. Here's why we are stuck right now. Here's what we're trying to do, and I laid out all these things. And that wasn't good enough for him. He's like, well, you've got to be able to do something more. And I was like, well, you know, I said, I I really can't right now, but here's what you can do. And I said, you know, you can go around. If you can't be the only person in your neighborhood who's upset about the train horns, Mm -hmm. start a petition. Go around the neighborhood and get as many signatures of people who are mad about these train horns as possible. You know, uh, get a decibel meter and measure how loud it is because there are requirements about how loud they're allowed to be. And if they're violating it, and he, well, he's like, well, why should I have to do that? You're the alderman. And I'm like, well, I'm not the one being affected by this. You're the one being affected by this. I'm doing a bunch of stuff on my side. But you're dissociating from your yeah, own how responsibilities How come you can't step up and do, do something do to help us work together for this? You make the big money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and tell me, too, and not to get us too far as subject, but, you know, and maybe you've had this. I, I, maybe all of you have had this where somebody will complain, I've heard this, and then you come at them. You know, with demonstrable facts that says, well, that's not quite correct, or it's totally wrong, or maybe you're on. And then the response is, well, of course you'd say that. I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. And, and and at some point, and this, this is getting into some heavy stuff, but, you know, at some point there are... There, there's bags. there's data that is pretty. You can't just go around and say. Of course, you'd come at me with yeah, your fancy the, facts. You know that the you can't go around and say the Cubs lost last night when in fact the score says they won. Yeah, and you can't have. You can't like interact in a society if you don't believe the people around you. That that fundamental bedrock of trust. If anything that disproves your position is just fake news, then there's no ability to solve things through discourse. And uh, what well, your right your options is just force at that point. And 
it's one thing at the federal level, but I really hope that that doesn't keep seeking in the local level because we all you, you know each other, right? You you can just go talk to the person. That's what that's always the thing. It's there, you see something you know, on planning commission, right? So you'll see something on planning commission, and it's got your name in it, and someone's like, "Oh well, you know that whole that whole thing was just decided ahead of time, and they they." <laughs> You know, they, they have the meeting times as they are to discourage people from coming to to the meetings. And it's like, we're, we're all just, like, people. Right. There's just volunteers. Nine, nine, ten of us volunteers yep. up there. And, like, if you want to ask me what it's like to be on planning commission, I can explain that to you. It's not some vast conspiracy. No. Although, you know, we do have to follow Agenda 21 documents very closely. <laughs> oh, God. God. Just kidding. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, they have an app now, so but you, you have to have the code to yeah. get it. Or, yeah, I tried uploading stuff last week; it didn't work Passwords at all. Just no bikes. Here's something. I, I mean, I was going to bring this up at the very beginning of the podcast, right? Where you know, Justin, just the way you phrase it, you says you said it was uptown versus downtown. The reality is, it's not versus; it's uptown and downtown. There's two different places with two different. You know, kind of philosophies right now of how they want to move forward. Um, I I like to go to Uptown very much, and I enjoy a lot of the restaurants and friends of mine own businesses up there, and I enjoy going up there and spending time up there. Um, However, my personal belief is I love downtown, right? I love. Um, there have been so many nights where I have left my store at 5.30 four, you know, in the morning and just as the sun's breaking over the top and it's lighting up the architecture of the buildings. of the And, and you guys have seen me post pictures of the, the, the courthouse on uh, museum on Facebook and stuff. I love to just walk around and just look at the details of the buildings because we don't build things like this anymore, right? We don't. So many things we ignore the little details. We we and, and downtown has this aesthetic and the history uh, that I just love that history. And it's not anything wrong with uptown. It's it's they're different and they're they're designed for different people, and that's perfectly okay. I love the downtown though, and that's why I've got my businesses and I spend so much time down there. And they mm-hmm. and they complement each other. And I think our goal as a community, as one community, is for them to work towards complementing each other yeah. more. And if we had a free green line, people can enjoy <laughs> both of those communities. <laughs> Is that three? That's three. That's three? Okay. Ring the bell. <laughs> uh, so maybe to end it up here kind of on that point, maybe uh, to in complimenting each other, taking that literally, um, what, what's something that you look at that's in the opposite uptown or downtown and say like, that's a that's a really nice thing. That's I'm gonna answer this too. Like, what's your what's your favorite thing about the opposing one? Mine would be the, the the greenery, the planting, right? And this is the conversation we're having in in downtown right now, and we're going to have it more forcefully if I have my say about it. Is um, the the uptown default is plantings and plants and greenery, trees and shrubbery and things that come back every year, and and they look great. The default in downtown, for now, is cement, right? Because the last time there was a major reconstruction in downtown was, what, the, the mid-50s? And we were building an automobile culture. And so it's cement. And, and I think we can do better than that. So that, that's my one thing. I agree with that. I would say that, uh, and, and of course, I'll put it a plug for... 
for where I work, but, you know, summer concert coming to downtown Bloomington this June. Um, having a downtown square like Bloomington has is pretty magnificent, and, and, I, and that hits me every year. It's pretty cool. You know, I go up on stage at summer concert every June and make a few announcements and introduce a band or whatever, and you're looking out, and there are four or 5,000 people out in their lawn chairs. You've got the uh, Museum of History in the background, and it's a gorgeous lawn and a beautiful building and businesses all around, and that's community. Mm-hmm. That is community. And, and um, you know, as a side note, I, I still remember when people joked about the circle uptown and, and complained about it when that was part of it. And of course, that's Normal's version. Scale's totally different, the, the utilization is different, but that's that's Normal's version of that. But I, I would just say that and but the downtown square is just, don't take those things for granted. Yeah. And R.C., you stole uh, what, what I was going to say uh, when I look at normal that I'm jealous of is the circle. And I think you're right uh, about the comparison between the circle and the square, but I think we might underutilize that. And, and one area I mean specifically, and, and Jamie, you probably remember when we talked about that first block of Jefferson, 100 block of Jefferson Street. I'm jealous of the sense of place that the circle has. It's just a place that people gather. Doesn't cost a dime for the people to go listen to an acoustic show or eat their sandwich they just bought, you know, a half a block away. And what they do when they're there is they snap pictures on social and they share it with their friends. And then that creates a idea that there's so much going on in Uptown. And I always thought if we took that 100 block of Jefferson around the square, and I wanted them to do something different, like brick or stamped concrete or something to identify that as a place. Shut it down Friday through Sunday night, and I think that would naturally, organically develop into something there. Yeah. So I am jealous of the sense of place of the circle. The yeah, circle the, the two cities. I agree with that, one hundred percent. And the two I think cities I grew up in had um, like cars were technically allowed in the downtown, but they were like cobblestone and really hard to navigate, hmm. and so it was mostly um, just a pedestrian area. And that's in Europe, so it's a different sort of dynamic than here. But anytime either one of the city or town close off the downtown and allow more foot traffic, you know, like the first Friday when um, on Halloween last year, that yeah. was really awesome. And um, it just makes me feel crazy. more comfortable bringing my <laughs> <laughs> no way to prepare for just that. Bringing my kids somewhere where they don't have to worry about dodging cars, I, I that to me brings about a real sense of community. So. Yeah. Sorry, no, I was just going to, you know, there's so much latent potential still, I think, in downtown Bloomington in particular. Uh, you know, um, Uptown's a little different um, in that regard, but there's just, but, you know, we, all of us, have to get together. I mean, I'm a stakeholder in downtown Bloomington, too, even though I live in normal and people identify me, I guess, as being a normal. Um, but we we just have to work together to prioritize it, and and guys like uh, or folks I should say like Jamie and and many others are are trying to do that. And again, that's community. Let's work together, create a vision, and move forward. Yeah. Okay. Great. Two hundred things we get along with and do very well. What's the two hundred first and the two hundred second and two hundred third? Yeah. That's a good place to end it. Yep. So something we like to ask our guests before they go is to mention a group or a person in, who's doing something big in Bloomington Normal, but maybe people don't know very much about them. So do you guys have anyone you want to give some uh, some publicity to, and then I can put information in the show notes about them? Yeah, uh, so I would shout out uh, Big Mike from the Community Healthcare Clinic. 
Um, he has stepped into uh, the role as the director at the clinic and just has done a fabulous job. The clinic is um, a very um, underappreciated resource in the community. Basically, they provide medical services to people who fall through the cracks. If uh, people who have to choose if they're going to buy health care or feed their kids this month, and um, you know most of the people that go there are work full time, and but they they have to make those hard choices, and the, the clinic steps in to help them. Um, Mike leads the staff. The staff is amazing. All of the doctors in town that volunteer their time is how the clinic works. Is the, do- the doctors step in and volunteer their time. And nurses and other volunteers. And, and nurses and, and um, dentists. And, I mean, yeah, there's there are people in town who are stepping up to help those who need that help and funnel uh, appropriate health care through the community health care clinic. So that's that's a high shot. Shout them out. And a Business Excellence Award winner this year. And they just won the nonprofit Business Excellence Award win from the uh, Chamber of Commerce this year. Um, I was going to do, my first instinct was to do uh, our teachers, but Screw them. Who do you know? No, but, but I think but that's probably a little bit of a cop-out because, um, you know, teachers are a huge part of every community. And, uh, but I do think they, they're unheralded a lot. Do you see how we got an extra one in there? So That's right. <laughs> well played, McBride. Um, but I'm going to go, and maybe this is what you're looking for, maybe not. But I'm going to say Illinois State University students just in mass because while it, it is not maybe what it was 25 years ago 35 years ago with the adversarial relationship between the students and the community uh, I, I still sometimes hear you know grumbling you mm-hmm. know and it's usually about the students this or the students that and we are so lucky to have and and I see it every day being on campus and just the energy and these bright young people that want to make a difference in the world and and I have news for you um, because this was my story I know there are others some of them stay here mm-hmm. and some of them make it home so I would just say so shout 100% out 100% of why I'm here right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah me too Kelly and I both came here to go to school and just never got around to moving away exactly and um and so, can you imagine this community without R.C. McBride or Jamie Matthew? <laughs> Boy. <laughs> no. <laughs> It'd be hard for us to. Uh, <laughs> and, but it, it, Justin's going philosophical. <laughs> you know what irritates us. <laughs> so, shout out. Yes, shout I out think to, that's a good Shout one. out to the uh, Rivers. Because you're, right, you're right. I hear that, too. Um, and I've probably been guilty of it when they come back into town going, oh, I forgot they were back. But. <laughs> well, I'll say that and I, I don't think I'm the only one on campus that feels this way. It's uh, it's pretty exciting in May when they leave. Yeah, yeah. But it's also pretty exciting in August when they come back. Oh, sure. man. Move-in day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember that. Trying what to just happened? Why did gas prices go up? <laughs> oh, oh, students are <laughs> Why is Target so swapped? So I will let you guys. Jamie Matthey, uh, Ward 1 Alderman for the City of Bloomington, also Red Raccoon and Decorators Grocery. Make sure you check them out. R.C. McBride, uh, former normal uh, town council uh, person, as well as uh, WGLT general manager. Is that the correct title? Yep. Um, so make sure if you haven't uh, listened or even uh, logged on to WGLT, check them out. They are very um, on top of it news source in town. Yeah, so. great Facebook page, right? Yeah. Good way to follow. <laughs> okay. And last, we want to thank our sponsors BRE Law, Normal Gadgets, and Play Normal Esports. 
come swing by. Um, I, I assume you've been here before, Jamie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is my jam, man. Okay. I mean, <laughs> board games and video games, this is literally my how I grew up. This is my childhood. Yeah. I, have you seen other, like, eSports um, companies before, places? Like, how does this stack up? Um, yeah, but, well, not in a long time. It's, it's. Um, I remember when I was at ISU, there were um, places in, in, in downtown, normal at the time. Um, uh, Siberia was there, and it was the one of the first land centers, and we used to go there to play games all the time. Mm-hmm. And when everybody got um, high-speed internet access, that kind of went away. But what also went away was the community aspect to it. And so um, I, what excites me about this place is seeing all the kids hanging out together. So not only are they playing games, but they're also engaging in their own community again. And we lost that for a long time with people screaming at each other over microphones on the Internet, right? Now they scream at each other in person. No. Which you hear in the background sometimes yeah, on, the, yeah. on the podcast. Actually, so. I, I thought it was, I heard them a couple times, but I actually thought that they were being really well behaved. And yeah, I was... Yeah. I don't know that I would have been when I was, you know, seventh and eighth grade. And we are a little Bette Midler, but that's not. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much every time we record here, they got a birthday party going on. So it's a great place to spe- yeah. schedule birthday parties. They got two game rooms. They got a snack bar, um, and a very affordable and fun way for your kids to spend some time, especially when it's so uh, when it's so nasty outside. So come check out play normal esports. And uh, are we done? Let's be done. Someone, you give you a second to think of who. No, I'm good. I'm good. Leave that in there. RC and mocking voice. That's that's the outtake right there. I haven't had many outtakes recently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 